0: We are in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and uh, will you all join me in prayer? Let's pray together as a church. Lord God, we're thankful. We're thankful people. We're so thankful for you, Lord, our Savior. We're thankful for the gospel. Lord, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. What an awesome thing it is to know that our sins have been removed. Righteousness has been placed upon us. The very righteousness of Christ. Not because of what we have done, but because what you have finished and accomplished. And through faith in your work upon the cross. May this morning you work just to cause our hearts to be glad in that. May we see you, Lord, as powerful, majestic, worthy of of praise and honor, worthy of our lives. I pray that, that you'd be ministering to hearts here this morning. Lord, you know every struggle of every person, everything that we're going through, Lord you know it all together, Lord, and may we just find ourselves safe and cared for and loved by our creator and our savior this morning. We're thankful for what you accomplished on the youth retreat, Lord, and ministering to the kids that went up there, Lord. We're thankful for the fruit that has come from that, Lord, and we pray for this upcoming week as the women head off for their women's retreat, Lord, that you would minister in just a mighty and powerful way that, um, that they might all find themselves treasuring you above everything else that this world could ever offer, Lord. May there be sweet friendships made and built and strengthened. And may you be worshipped in just a powerful way. Bless our time in your word now, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We. We pray for one another. We pray for our children. We pray for churches that are around us here and churches all over the world. We, we ought to be praying for churches, believers, in all different parts of the world. In the contents of those prayers, I pray that, that the Lord would work to to bend them to be more like the way Paul prayed for the church here in Ephesians chapter 1. We've looked at, at the majority of the first chapter and our focus this morning will be primarily in verses 22 and 23. But we'll, we'll look a little bit further at verses 19 and 20 as well. But I want you to listen to the, the prayer here. We'll read it in its entirety, beginning in verse 15. Paul says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom, and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Just stopping there for a moment. I, I, I pray that, that, that the Lord would do that in my four children. Um, if He does that in them, be a thankful, thankful, Dad. not just for them, for, for the children in the children's ministry right now, for the youth. But for every adult here as well, for the women on the women's tree coming up, that the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give my kids, us as mom and dad, us as a church, A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I I want them to know Him. Because I'm confident that if they know Him, if they see Him for who He is, they will love Him through the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We will love Him. If we know Him, If we see him in his glory and in his splendor as he reveals himself to us in the page of scripture, it is going to change every area of our lives. You think of watching kids grow up and thinking, okay, I just want them to make good decisions and I want them to pick good friends and I want them to be a light. I want them to shine. I want them to have a heart for God. I want them to have a heart for missions. I want them to, to... choose a career that would glorify God most choose a spouse that would cause them to glorify God most and I want them to make decisions that are like this well, if they know him it changes everything for them because they will desire him more than anything that this world could offer they'll love him they'll want to make him known we will want to make him known If we want to be a church that's healthy, that's thriving, that's loving one another, and that has a a passion for evangelism, and a passion for missions, and a passion for making disciples, and a passion for caring for those that are hurting, and being a a, a church that is like that, when we know Him, and we see Him, and we watch how God has operated and who He is, and we see Him as worth more than anything else, it will fuel every part of that and direct every area of that. May the Lord give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. That God would do that enlightening in the hearts, in our eyes. Changing us, making it so that we see who he is, understand the gospel with clarity, understand his word. That we might know the hope of his calling. The hope of this call that came from the Holy Spirit upon us in That effectual working calling that has changed us radically, completely. We we may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? We would know that. His prayer for the church. Our prayer for our church for other churches may it be with words like that they would know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe that we might know his power and the exceeding greatness of his power that we might see him as a sovereign god who's in control of all things According to the working of his mighty power when he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now I want to go back to what we were looking at two weeks ago. And look a little bit deeper in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 and 20. Praying that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And finishing that last sermon, we didn't spend very much time on that last little section, and so I want to be able to focus on that for a moment as we think about who Christ is for us as a church. The working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. You picture Christ at the very right hand of the Father. The work was completed. Hebrews 1.3, there in your handouts. Who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the, power, by the, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. On high. There was a work that was completed. Christ being in the very brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of his person. Christ, sovereign Christ who upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, we took our. Sins away, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is who we're praying to. This is who is our Lord. This is who is the center of our church. When he had purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 10:10 says this. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands, ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. No longer a need to stand ministering daily sacrifices. By one sacrifice, through Christ, it was completed, and he sat down. That's our Lord. It's finished. The power of Christ from the throne, we see it in Acts seven forty eight where it says... However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? He's there from his throne and heaven is his throne. And the way that he speaks is such that, have I not made everything? Have I not made everything that exists? Is he not the most high, all-powerful God? Hebrews 1.10 says this. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and yours will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet? He's like none other. Like no created being that has ever existed, to no angel has it ever been said, sit at my right hand. And Christ, God the Son, is at the very right hand of the Father. Look at Revelation 21, verse 2, where John's describing what he's saying hear the words of the Lord from the throne where it says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said this, Picture this. Spend this description of He is with us, He dwells with us, He's changed everything. And then Christ from the throne says this Behold, I make all things new. All things. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And so when you picture Christ there upon the throne, and all of his power and all of his splendor, and no angels have ever been put at the right hand of the Father, To hear his words like, it is done. It's done. It's done. He's accomplished salvation for us, gave his life for us upon the cross. He's hurled our sins in the depths of the sea. He gives us righteousness. He gives us an inheritance that's incorruptible and it's undefiled and it doesn't fade away. Reserved in heaven, kept by the very power of God. He began a good work in us. He'll be faithful to complete it. He's called his sheep unto himself. And all of all that the Father's given him, he's lost none of them. And he is there in heaven saying, it's done. The alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end. And so to you, to all of us, i give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. He's at the very right hand of the Father. Those are the words spoken from our Savior. In verse 21, it says, He's far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. His position. When we think of our Savior, when we think of who he is, Far above all principality and power, far above and might and dominion, far above every name that is named. Not only at that time, but forever, He is far above. Look at it, what it says in Philippians chapter two, verse five. Let this mind be in you, which is which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also has highly exalted him, And given him the name which is above every name. We just saw that in our text. Every name that is named. But here's the fruit of that. Being exalted and given a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven. Of those on earth. Of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The result of Christ highly exalted is that our knees should bow before him. Should bow. Bow. The picture there is more than the bowing of our heads. The picture there is more than God is an important part of my life. God, family, country, he's right in there. Um, God's an important part of our church. We learn about him. We go there. We sing together. We do these things. When we have the name Reverence Bible Church, name picked very specifically for a reason, reverence and awe before our God. But underneath that, there's a little tag: Christ-centered, Bible-driven. Nearly 14 years ago, that was put together for a reason by the elders of our church. Because the prayer would be that he would be the center of everything that takes place here. That it wouldn't just be like, yeah, he's an important part of our church. He is our church. He is why we meet. He is why we do everything that we do. Everything. Every knee bow before him. Not just a, yeah, God's an important part of my life. There is a, a, we come to our knees in just adoration and worship of him where he has all of it. He doesn't want to simply be the foundation of our church. He wants to be all of it. He doesn't want it just to be the foundation of our life. He wants to be all of it, every part of it, to where in humility and reverence and awe and worship and praise to our God, every knee bows. They do in heaven, those on the earth, those under the earth. And that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In 1 Peter 3.22, it says, Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. The power of Christ. and We're to worship him. In Hebrews 1.6, it says, But when he... Again, brings the firstborn into the world. He says, let all the angels of God worship him. And then in Philippians 2, 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Once again, there's worship. We're to worship him. The angels Worship him. Everybody in heaven and on earth and those under the earth, every tongue. It ought to be worship unto him. His position is such that we're told in the text that he's far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named. It goes on in verse 22 and he says, And he put all things under his feet. And gave him to be head over all things to the church. Everything. He's sovereign over all things and everything is in subjection to him. Hebrews 2.8 says this. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Everything, everything has been put under him. He's sovereign over all things that could ever possibly occur. Now, notice that when he says he put all things under his feet. It's not simply all principalities and powers and all people. It is those things. But all things, everything, has been put under his feet. Every circumstance that we could ever go through has been put under him. He's sovereign over these things. Look at what Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. There's a courage that comes for the believer. Um, Especially when you understand Christ's position. To know that everything has been put under him. It enables us to be strong and courageous. He's sovereign over it. He orchestrates things to take place. His providential hand, His invisible hand, orchestrates things in our lives. And I praise God for that. I think of my life and think of what God has done in me. According to his grace and his kindness, he put me in the family that I was in, that I'm in. I could watch the way that the Lord worked in my life going all the way through. I mean, for us to be able to be here as a congregation and know there's no what-ifs with God. Isn't that awesome to think about? There's no, well, what if this would happen or what if that would happen or what if that... God has been working in you according to the exceeding greatness of his power and is molding you into exactly who he's calling you to be. There's this confidence that comes with that because we can look at the way, the ways peop, the way people have sinned against us. Or our lives not being exactly where we thought that they would be, or circumstances not being the way that we anticipated them to be, or what if I would have done this, or what if I would have changed that, or what if? And we can get to a place of driving ourselves crazy, and God wants us to look and say, "Like, you're not that big. You're not big enough to change the course of history." You've meant things for evil, but God has worked them for good. You've sinned in all kinds of ways, but God is using these things. Even our sin, he uses in such a way to bring conviction, to make us love grace, to make us love him, to cause us to be compassionate. We can mean things for evil, but God can take those same things and turn them towards good. You can do all the what-ifs and get to a place of wishing you could do the whole thing over again and miss out completely on the fact that God has you here right now for a reason, and he has been working. Everything is under his feet. Everything. God the Father gave him to be head over all things to the church. And Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, according to his purpose. Something that is familiar to probably everybody here, that verse. But I believe in Paul's prayer, he really wants us to actually know that. He wants us to know who our God is where he sits, the power that he has, the control that he has, his sovereignty, so that in the worst of times, we can say, and we know, we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called, according to His purpose. In Psalm 46, why don't we turn there just so we can look at it a little bit more in depth? Psalm 46. This psalm is known as the Psalm of Martin Luther. he would get together with his friend and just say, let's sing Psalm 46 together. Can we just sing it together? So like in the most difficult of times for Martin Luther, he would be there with those closes to him and say, let's just sing this Psalm, Psalm 46. Now, for us to sing something like this, We have to know that everything's been put under the feet of Christ and that He is head over all things to the church. Because that's the way the psalmist sings here. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. It's pretty serious there, right? when I mean, we start looking at like what's taking place he's our refuge our strength our pre- our very present help in trouble cuz we're not going to be afraid when the earth is removed and the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea and the waters are roaring and the mountains are shaking with its swelling there's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of god the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. Kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. And then this wonderful verse in verse 10 where it says, Be still and know That I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This practice. It does not come. With a small view of God. If you're. If you're anything like the majority of our society, it's very hard to be still, isn't it? Right? We, we crank, don't we? We crank in like every direction possible, and we worry, and we stress, and we move, and we plan, and we do these things. And and it's possible for us to be at a place of thinking that we're so big and that we're in control of all of these things, and having such a small view of who God is. You may look at your life and look and think, okay, I don't have enough for retirement. just don't have enough. What am I going to do? What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What if this happens? What if that happens? You may look at your life and say, but I want my kids to be in this place and I want them to be doing that and they're not doing that and my grandkids are doing this and they're doing that and and you could get to a place of, but what if I did this or I should have done this differently if I only would have done that or if I only would have done this. if I just invested in that or if I would have invested in this or if I didn't do that and we come to a place of just having such a pathetically small view of who God is thinking that this church depends upon us thinking that all of these things depend upon us or we can look and say no God is our refuge and our strength he is a very present help in trouble And everything could happen in all of these directions that seem so chaotic, but you know what? Everything's been put under his feet. Everything has. Everything. And God gave him to be head over all things to the church. All things. This church, which is his body, and he is the head. He is in control, and He is good, and He is sovereign. Nothing is too hard for Him. He's the fullness of the fullness of Him who fills all in all. This is who our God is, and when we see Him like that, it's possible to be still, to be still, and to know that He is God. Right now, the Lord may be just working in your life right now, mine as well. In the midst of whatever it is that you're just anxious about. And through the power of his word, he wants you to understand that you are not that big and that everything's been put under his feet. He's higher than all. He's at the very right hand of the Father. There's nothing that's too hard for him. He fills all in all, and you don't need to be afraid. However big your problem is, even if the earth were to be removed, however big your problem is, is it as big as the mountains be carrying into the midst of the sea? Probably not. And whatever it is that you're going through. Even if the waters are roaring. Even if the mountains are shaking. Come behold the works of the Lord. Verse 8. Just look at his works. Look at who he is. Look at what he has done. Just behold him in the mix of every bit of anxiety that we have the possibility of placing upon ourselves, come behold the works of the Lord. Just look at him this morning. He said he'd build his church. Has he done that for the last 2,000 years? Yes. He says his word went return void. Has it, in the last 2,000 years? No. He says that of all the Father's given him, he'll lose none. Has he lost any? No. He tells us that he'd be the head over all things to the church. And has he been? Yes. He can make wars cease. It's not too hard for him. He can break the bow and cut the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. As a result... May we join with Martin Luther and just be still and know that he's God. Let's just to stop and know that he's God. Know that he's God. Know who you serve. Know who you sing to. Know who you love and you pray to and who you worship. He's gone. He says, I'll be exalted among the nations. And I'll be exalted in the earth. It's not a. I hope. Oh, he will be. And he is. So we pray. Pray for our church. We pray for churches around us. Pray for churches to the end of the earth. We pray for Christians. We pray that God would work what we see in Ephesians chapter 1. Kids would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The understanding would be enlightened, brothers and sisters, that you know the hope of your calling, that you know the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints that you would know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That we might see him as him who seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He's far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. And God's put all things under his feet. All things, He gave him to be head over all things to the church. I love that. He's the head of our church. We're his body. He is the head. We are all under him. And he is on the throne. The fullness of him who fills all and all. That is the one that we pray to. That is the one, he is the one in whom we look to. That is the one that we hope in. He is the one in whom enables us to be still and to know that he's gone. I don't know what gives you the greatest anxiety. I don't know what you think about most. But I pray that our view of God would just be such that the worship that would come from us would be coming from hearts that are just resting in the greatness of our God. It would change the way that we think as a people. We'd be able to let goods and kindred go. That's mortal life, also. Even if they killed the body, the body they may kill, but his truth abideth still. Brothers and sisters, his kingdom is forever. And that's the one that we sing to this morning. Join me in prayer as we close. Lord, may we on this morning picture you upon your throne, high and exalted, all things under your feet. You calling upon us to come and to drink from the fountain of living water. You who control all things, who love us. You're our God, we're your people, we belong to you. Um, May we see your supremacy, your centrality. May we see you filling all in all and just find ourselves in awe of you, dependent upon you, resting in you, and just being still and knowing that you're God. We love you, Lord. I pray that as we sing these last couple songs, may... May you be the center of these songs as well. And may it come from hearts that are are in a place of having just seen in scripture your power, your authority, your majesty, your dominion. And may I just make our hearts rest and be glad in you. We ask this in Jesus' name.